people who love Jesus and are in a relationship with him rejoice in their sufferings. They come to us all. But those who know Jesus, they actually rejoice in their tribulations. Why? Because they know he is in the midst of those tribulations with us. Are you a prisoner of hope? Welcome to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Endurance and hope go hand in hand, and they're both essential for all who believe in Jesus. Today, David shares about the need for endurance and the personal hope we each can find in God's promises. Turn with me to Romans 5 for part one of a message David calls Endure. Today's message is about hope. Amidst the despair that surrounds us all, it's about hope. We're looking at Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. During this series, you'll see how hope fits into the next rung on the ladder upwards toward what God wants us to be. Paul writes, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, But we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. To Jesus be the glory, through his word. Well, the context of Romans 5, verses 1 through 5, is found uh, in verse 1, that, uh, verse 3, excuse me, that it's, it's addressing people caught in the quagmire of tribulations. But please note that these verses are for people who love Jesus. They are people that Paul says who have been justified by faith, who know they have been declared forgiven by God through Jesus Christ, by grace through faith. And they also have evidence of that by having peace with God. That is, peace with God uh, vertically, because we know that God has declared us not guilty. We are not at enmity with God anymore. But also peace within our hearts, because we know his presence dwells within us. We also have access to him by faith. That means we can go to God anytime, anyplace, and pray to him and ask him anything. That's a wonderful gift for those who have a relationship with Jesus. And also, we stand in all of that. We stand firmly, solidly, knowing that Jesus lives in us, and the Christian faith is about a relationship with him, not about rules and regulations. He indwells us, we indwell him, and we never have to worry about anything because we know he loves us and is with us. So these verses are about people who have been justified by grace through faith, and they have the hope of the glory of God. Now, hold on to that. We'll come back to that at the end of the message. They have the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, not only are all these blessings, uh, the idea of being forgiven, the idea of having peace with God, having access to him, having grace and having the ability to hope in the glory of God, we have more than that. We rejoice in our sufferings. People who love Jesus and are in a relationship with him rejoice in their sufferings. Not that God caused the tribulations, and tribulations come to us all, don't they? Whether it is despair, depression, discouragement, disease, loneliness, whatever it might be, there are all kinds of tribulations and trials. They come to us all. But those who know Jesus lives in them and they live in him who have that incredible personal relationship with him, they actually rejoice in their tribulations. Why? 
because they know he is in the midst of those tribulations with us. And he's somehow using them for our good and his glory. So we cackle with delight amidst the tribulations, knowing they're not going to conquer us. The one who lives in us has already conquered them. And then those tribulations, as we climb the ladder that cause rejoicing, bring us to endurance. They teach us this valuable lesson that even the secular world knows about, how to persevere. So endurance is something that's celebrated by all people everywhere. And as we are going through enduring times, what we realize is that after God has delivered us once, he can deliver us again. There's an interesting study done some years ago uh, trying to understand how perseverance happens. And rats were placed into a huge barrel of water. And they swam and they swam and they swam for several hours, but then they finally got so tired they were ready to give up. Then at the last moment, the doctors reached in and took the rats out, dried them off, fed them, rested them, then after several hours, dropped them back into the vat of water. Something fascinating happened. As they gave up after several hours the first time, the second time, they swam for over 15 hours. Why? Because they realized if they'd been saved once, they could be what? Saved again. So that's what happens in endurance. As you endure and the rescue finally comes, you know that if it happened once, it can happen again. So endurance is the next step up the ladder. You rejoice in your tribulations, which produces endurance. Then endurance produces proven character because those times of trial and tribulation are like fingers around a tube of toothpaste. I gave you this illustration last week. And as your fingers squeeze a tube of toothpaste, it shows what's inside that tube, right? And what comes out? Toothpaste, because that's what's inside. But when we go through trials and tribulations, it's like fingers squeezing our heart, and it gives us the privilege of seeing what's really inside of us. And if you find yourselves amidst trials, complaining, griping, whining, prayerless, it shows what's really in your heart. So God uses trials in endurance in that way to show us what's really in our hearts. Look at your words. Again, if they're complaining, whining, prayerless, all those words, you know something bad is within you. God wants to show you whether there's true faith in him, the dependence that we all need upon him. And then after that particular step of proven character, it then leads to hope, to hope. Now, what is hope? Hope is the absolute assurance that something is going to happen. It's something I desire that I'm absolutely certain is going to take place. The word hope, H-O-P-E, the acronym, holding on to patient expectation. Holding on to patient expectation. It's looking forward through the lenses of faith. And it's believing in certainty it's going to happen. Now, for those of us who cling to biblical hope, we wait for God to tell us something. And when we know that God tells us something and that promise is true, we hold on to that promise in hope no matter what else may be going on. Let me divide up what hope really means for those of us who believe in Jesus. First of all, there's personal hope. Personal hope. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 12 reads, Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. 
today I declare that I will restore you double. Now, the children of Israel were in the captivity when these words were written. They didn't have an immediate hope at all, but they called themselves prisoners of hope because God had promised them that they would return to their homeland within 70 years. I love that phrase, prisoners of hope. If God has promised you something, you should become incarcerated in God's prison cell of hope. You live in it. You've gone through endurance. You know God's come through some previous times. You can therefore hope that he'll come through for you again. You just can't let go of the promise. It consumes you. You think about it all the time. Most every great biblical character had a hope of a dream and a promise from God. God said to Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. And through that son, all the nations of the world will be blessed. He had to wait 25 years from the time of the promise until it was given to him. He was 75 when the promise was given. He was 100 when it finally happened. But God gave him the promise He rested in the dream of that promise until it finally came. The same is true not only with Abraham, but Joseph. God said, you will one day rule over your brothers in a position of power. It took a long time before that dream actually occurred. But Joseph hoped amidst hope for several years in a prison cell with no way obvious to him that the dream would come true. But he believed it, and one day it did. Samuel, the great prophet of God, came to David as a shepherd boy and said, one day you're going to be king over all of Israel. It took seven years before that promise actually occurred. But David had hope that what God had spoken to him through the great prophet Samuel would come true. And he clinged to it no matter what. And God ultimately fulfilled the promise. We see it with Paul. Did you know that according to the book of Romans, Paul had a dream to take the gospel to Spain, the farthest western point in the then Roman Empire. And he labored for that dream to come true. And there's every evidence historically, archaeologically, and biblically that that dream came true. Did you know Jesus had a dream? Did you know that? That's why Jesus left heaven the beauty and perfection of heaven to enter this mess here because he had a dream that you and I would not die in our sin and spend eternity separated from God. His dream was he'd die on a cross and forgive us of all of our sins and give us then that forgiveness by grace through faith, not of our works because he knew he could never do enough to earn salvation. He was focused on Jerusalem no matter what happened. He ultimately went to the cross, died, and was raised from the dead to give us that gift that was his dream. The Father had told him that's what he was to do. Every single one of us needs to live in personal hope. We need to have personal dreams. We need to ask the Father, why am I on this planet? What's your dream for my life? And if you're breathing, dear friends, God has a dream for your life right now. If you're a young person, God has a dream for your life. My wife Marilyn and I are concerned 
about what we see among too many young people today. There's no dream whatsoever. They spend their times mindlessly playing video games and entertaining themselves. They're being consumed by a culture that emphasizes death, despair, and discouragement. You don't believe that? Look at most television shows, look at most movies. Very few of them have a positive theme of redemption. We used to have family home night when the kids were younger, and we would try to pick out a movie that all of us could watch. But Marilyn made sure it was a movie that had a theme of redemption, a theme with a hero who overcame odds because we wanted to plant in our kids' hearts at the earliest possible ages to have a dream, to have something that God placed in their hearts. And I'll never forget my daughter, Bethany, at around 15 years of age, sitting with Marilyn, looking at her and saying, Mom, I want your life. And we all laughed. Yeah, right, Bethany, come on. You got to go to college. You know, you got to dream big. No, I want your life. That's my dream, and that's a big dream. Today, Bethany is a mother, a wife, and helping her husband build a strong church for the glory of Jesus Christ. She's living her dream. It's the dream God laid on her heart. It's the right dream. So what's your dream, young people? What's the dream for the advancement of the kingdom of God that God's called you to do that's well beyond just simply trying to entertain yourself here? Your depression and your discouragement will lift as you have a redemptive dream in your hearts. How about you who have some gray hair? Well, I'm nearing the end of my life. I'm going to spend my life in retirement playing golf. Oh, that's a great dream, huh? Well, let me share with you something. God doesn't give you a pass because you get gray hair. Older people should have dreams. And some of the greatest older people in the history of humankind have had huge dreams. Winston Churchill became prime minister of England at the age of 71. He basically saved Western civilization from Nazism. Ronald Reagan, some consider a great president, became president of the United States at the age of 70. Interestingly, Harlan Sanders, the inventor of Kentucky Fried Chicken, isn't it good? Oh, man, I can't eat it, though, anymore. I mean, it's so good, though. Wow, finger-licking good. That advertisement was paid for by finger-licking good Kentucky Fried Chicken. Anyway, he began the whole franchise at the age of 66. 66. Ray Kroc began the McDonald's franchise work at 52. Grandma Moses, considered one of the greatest painters in American history, Painted her first picture at the age of 78. She painted into her 90s. Doris Hudak, never heard of her, have you? At 94 years of age, she didn't like all the laws that allowed campaign finance to be given big bucks to political candidates. So she marched from Los Angeles to New York at 94 years of age asking for campaign finance reform. And then she ran for a House of Representatives office in 2004 at the age of 94. She didn't win, but she ran. At least she pursued her dream. You can't get a pass just because you're a little bit older. What's your dream? As you've now retired, maybe. What's your dream? How can you advance the kingdom of God? What can you do? that would make this world a better place in which to live. The secular world knows the importance of continuing to have personal hope and dreams. 
Derek Jeter, the great shortstop for the New York Yankees, when he was nine years old, wrote a paper in elementary school saying that his dream was to play shortstop for the New York Yankees. Then he began to feel guilty. Oh, I can't do that. That's too big a dream. So he went to his parents and he said, I'm supposed to write an essay on my dreams and I want to be the shortstop for the New York Yankees one day, but I'm just not sure now. And interestingly, his dad said to him, son, it's up to you if you want to change your essay, but don't do it unless you've changed your dream. Derek Jeter was ultimately drafted by the New York Yankees. Interestingly, in his first 47 games in the minor leagues, he was batting 202. For those of you who aren't baseball aficionados, that stinks. And in his first 49 chances at shortstop, he had approximately that many errors. But he wouldn't give up. He wouldn't give up. And he continued to work hard. He continued to pursue his dream. And many of you sports fans know the rest of that story. In 2019, he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer in Cooperstown, New York. George Lucas experienced failure after failure after failure until finally the Star Wars idea came about. He has exhorted so many people, don't give up your dream, keep dreaming. And by the way, have you, have you heard the news that, that maybe Luke in the, in the new movie turns evil? Luke Skywalker turns evil. Say it ain't so. I'll tell you after I see the seventh edition of Star Wars. Children understand the hopes of dreams. We should too. Dear friends, we can live 40 days without food. We can live three days without water. We can live approximately eight minutes without air, but we can't live one second without dreams. We can't live one second without What's your hope today? What's your dream today? Don't give up. You're listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Coming up, David joins me in the studio in an insightful conversation about having true faith in our prayers. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Tony Marciano, President and CEO of Charlotte Rescue Mission. Let me ask you a question. What do you do when you stand at the intersection of homelessness and addiction? Let me put you in that person's shoes for just a second. What is it that you really need? You've probably been one of the individuals who stood at the end of the interstate ramp, holding a sign that said, hungry, will work for food. But you never used the money for food. You bought booze and drugs with it. And most likely, you hate your life. Your addiction has stolen every aspect of hope. You want to be part of the fabric of society, but every morning your addiction screams and you surrender to it. There is one thing you do need, and that is transformation. The place to go is Charlotte Rescue Mission. Charlotte Rescue Mission works from the inside out to address the root cause of someone at the crossroads of addiction and homelessness. The Rescue Mission provides free, Christian, residential, high-quality substance abuse recovery programs to members of our community who otherwise would not be able to afford such services. With a passion for holistic transformation and a love for Christ, the mission's 120-day program has transformed the lives of thousands of men and women in our community. Charlotte Rescue Mission is grateful for the financial partnership of Moments of Hope Church. 
Thanks for listening to Moments of Hope. I'm Jen Houston, and with me is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thanks for joining us today. Hi, Jen. It's great being with you today. You as well. In this morning's e-devotion, you gave us some really good counsel about trusting that God hears our prayers. Will you share some of those thoughts with our listeners? I will. Here's the exact Davidism I'm trying to give today to our listeners, that is pray and walk away. So, Jen, let me start by asking you a question. Do you believe in the power of prayer? I do. Yeah. Do you believe it's biblical Mm -hmm. and has a powerful foundation rooted in the scripture of the importance of and power of prayer? Yes. Okay. So, having said that, we know that Jesus prayed a lot himself. The Bible says he often withdrew to pray. In fact, his disciples looked at him and said, you know what? We have concluded A plus B equals C. The reason for your miracles, C, is because you A, walk away, and B, you pray a lot. Mm -hmm. And so if that is your example on where your power comes from, the disciples said, teach us to pray. And of course, then Jesus gave them the prayer that we often call the Lord's Prayer, which probably should be called the Disciples' Prayer (laughs) because it was really written for them on how to pray. It's a recipe for how to pray. Jesus also said in Matthew 7, verses 7 through 11, for example, keep on asking and keep on seeking and keep on knocking, keep persisting in prayer because if an earthly father wants to give good gifts to his children and they ask for bread, he wouldn't give them a stone. And if they ask for meat, he wouldn't give them a snake. If a loving earthly father wants to give good gifts to his children, how much more does the heavenly father want to give good gifts to his children? So prayer seems to be the bridge in order to get what we desire as God's children from the father. Prayer is powerful. Mm -hmm. We need to pray. But you know what? There's sometimes when we pray and we pray and we pray and the answer just hasn't come. What is the attitude we should have when that happens? And I would suggest here it is. Pray and walk away. Continue to believe in the power of prayer. Continue to believe that prayer has great focus in God's heart, but there comes a point where you walk away. You put the letter in the mailbox, you put the flag up, and you walk away. When you surrender that prayer to God, when you give it to him in faith and trust, it empowers your prayer life like few other things. Mm -hmm. So today, I just want to encourage everyone to practice this discipline. Pray. Pray regularly. Pray with power. Pray persistently. Mm -hmm. But There may come a time when you pray and walk away. When you do so, you're surrendering it to God, and He can work then in more powerful and significant ways. I love that, and it really releases us of the burden. You know, sometimes I think the Lord burdens our hearts with something to pray for, a um, situation in our families or a national or political thing. And, And really, when we can get to that place of truly trusting the Lord— we can feel that burden lift. Mm -hmm. And it's like walking away, doing obedience and praying and then walking away. I love that. Well, you know, there are three answers in how God answers our prayers. First of all, he says, yes, we love it when he does that immediately. Sometimes he says, wait, Mm, that's harder. The third one is, 
I've got a better plan. And that is giving it to him and trusting him when you walk away. You're saying, if it's you've got a better plan, Lord, I trust you in that. I have a childlike faith, and I believe you've got something even better for me as you have said no to this particular prayer. That's so good. Such rich insight today. Thank you so much, David. And everyone, pray continually, but pray and walk away. There's power in doing so. And if you'd like to receive these daily Moments of Hope from me to you, please go to momentsofhopechurch.org. You can subscribe there. From my heart to yours to begin each day in your inbox, 7 a.m. every morning with a moment of hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. We would love to have you join us for worship this Sunday morning. We meet at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte at 10 a.m. You can find more information on our website, momentsofhopechurch.org. Again, come join us Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte. Our web address is momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking you to pray again for the unity in the church.